What we're going to discuss today comes from Matthew 6, and so you're going to need to turn there in your Bibles, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. And this will be our consideration for both this week and next week, which means this will be what you'll be discussing in the, uh, the first week of the life groups. And so for that reason, uh, I've broken this particular text or our consideration of it into two weeks, into uh, more bite-sized portions. Uh, and that will be the strategy going forward in lieu of the life groups <clears throat> to make what we get on uh, Sunday something that you can get through uh, during your uh, life groups. So with that in mind, starting in verse 19 of Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve Two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on our time, shall we? Father, thank you that we again have been given the privilege of coming into your house. That is a privilege. We were once a people without hope, without you in this world. But through your mercy and through your grace, you have made us your people. And as your people, you've called us to this place. You've commanded us to come together and to worship you. And one of the ways that we do that is through opening your word. And as we listen now to what it is that you teach us, what it is that your son, our king, teaches us in these verses, I pray that we would listen with teachable hearts. Hearts that are ready to apply, to submit to what it is that we learn and to change our lives accordingly. Make it so, we pray. In Jesus, our King's name. Amen. Well, direct your eyes, if you would please, to the top of your handout there. In Matthew six nineteen through 24, Jesus reveals 
The power of our discretionary and listening loyalties, or the power our discretionary and listening loyalties possess, not only for determining who we truly serve, who we are loyal to as king, but also producing the salvation essential attributes of affection for God and conviction in regard to the word of God. Let me just read that again and give you a chance to take in what it is that is the context then of these verses. These verses, Matthew 6, 19 through 24, in these verses, Jesus reveals the power our discretionary and listening loyalties possess not only for determining who we truly serve, but also for producing the salvation essential attributes of affection for God and conviction in regard to the word of God. Our confidence that loyalty is indeed his subject is confirmed by his conclusion. And uh, we find the conclusion there in that Final verse, verse 24. No one can serve, notice, serve two masters. The next line down, he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Serve, be devoted to. Both of those uh, words or phrases refer to loyalty. You cannot be loyal to God And money, devotion, commitment, loyalty. And again, that tells us then what it is that uh, Jesus is talking about then or is concerned with in the previous verses, meaning 19 through 23. So in reference to those verses, here is the first point. And it's related to what I am calling Discretionary loyalties. Discretionary loyalties and help getting to heaven. Jesus teaches us that the freedom we may believe we possess with regard to discretionary loyalties is not as free as we may think. Jesus teaches that the freedom we may believe we possess with regard to discretionary loyalties is not as free as we think. Verses 19 and 20. Again, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal treasures, that term there that we see both in verse 19 and verse 20, treasures on earth, verse 20, treasures in heaven. Treasures, that term refers to discretionary loyalties, or that is how Jesus is using at this particular word, treasures. And what Jesus is employing then here in using this particular word this way, 
is a literary device known as metonymy. Metonymy, you'll see down in the footnote there, I give you a a definition of that. This particular uh, grouping of verses is filled with metonymy. And here's what that refers to. The act of referring to something by the names of those things associated with it. The act of referring to something by the names of those things associated with it. And uh, it comes from the Greek term uh, that literally means change of name. Here's some examples to help you understand this. Uh, The Crown. I I believe there's actually a TV show uh, with this title, The Crown. And uh, that show, if I am correct, uh, is about the British monarchy. And so we use that term, or people will use that term, the crown, uh, to refer to the British monarchy. Uh, The White House, you you hear this on the news, the White House, and uh, that refers to uh, the American government, or Silicon Valley, the tech industry. Uh, These are metonyms, Silicon Valley, the White House, the crown, uh, words that are being used to refer to something else. And uh, they are words that usually are somehow affiliated or closely associated uh, with that word that they are replacing. Here's two from scripture. Tongue. The term tongue, as in James chapter 3, is referring not to the literal tongue, but our speech, or speech. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we will not all sleep, yet we will all be changed. Uh, Sleep there is not referring to literal sleep, but rather death. And here is an example where uh, I don't know what the correlation is between uh, death and sleep, other than when uh, people are dead, they may look like they're sleeping. But again, these are metonyms. Uh, Here's uh, a famous famous, saying that uh, employs this particular literary device. The pen is mightier than the sword. What does that refer to? Well, the written word, that's the pen, is mightier than military force. Uh, which is what sword, or that word sword, refers to. So going back up to our text then, or uh, this term treasures, that is how Jesus is using this particular term. It is a metonym for discretionary loyalties. That's what he means by this term treasures. Discretionary loyalties. You say, well, what is that? Uh, Well, those things in life that we commit to that are not necessary, that are not necessary to our physical health and life or the physical health and life of those under our care. Things that are not necessary. Commitments that we make, loyalties that we have, things that we're devoted to that are not necessary to our physical life or health or those Uh, under our care. So an example would be hobbies. I don't uh, uh, need hobbies to live. 
And so that would be what I'm referring to here as discretionary loyalties or discretionary commitments. In contrast to that, something that is a necessary commitment, which means that is not what Jesus is going to be talking about here in these verses, would be working a job. We need to work to provide for our physical means. And so work is a necessary loyalty or necessary uh, commitment. What Jesus, again, is referring to by treasures, both in verse 20 and verse 19, treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven, are discretionary loyalties. Again, those things that are not necessary to physical health and life. And what does he say about these treasures as it relates to those treasures on earth? Again, notice there in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, do not fill your life. That's what he means by lay up. Do not fill your life with, and again, this term uh, treasures referring to discretionary loyalties. What is then Jesus saying here? Do not fill your life with discretionary loyalties. What kind of discretionary loyalties does he have in mind? Well, those that will not help you get to heaven. Again, looking at the text, it is treasures on earth. Treasures on earth. And uh, again, what he means by that is uh, discretionary loyalties, things we commit ourselves to uh, that are not necessary uh, for living, that are not necessary for living. Things that will, at the same time, these particular discretionary loyalties, we're going to see uh, there's other kinds of discretionary loyalties that we can commit ourselves to, uh, that again are not necessary for physical life, uh, but are good for getting to heaven. In this case, as it relates to those he calls treasures on earth, they are those kinds of discretionary loyalties that will not get you to heaven. Now, uh, why can we be confident that this is what Jesus is talking about here? And I'm not referring to now uh, this term treasures. We've already dealt with that, but rather uh, the phrase itself, treasures on earth. How do we know that the kinds of discretionary loyalties that he's referring to here uh, are those kinds? The kinds that will not help you in any way uh, get to heaven. Uh, well, uh, two reasons. Number one, uh, his mention of what happens to these earthly treasures or commitments. And what happens to them according to Jesus? Well, uh, they are the kinds that moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What is he telling us about these uh, particular discretionary to, uh, loyalties then? Uh, well, the value or the benefit that they provide will eventually be lost. And I think we would all agree with that just based on, again, what he says here. Moth and rust destroy. They're things that are not going to stick around. They will eventually uh, be lost or, again, destroyed. Or they are something that is susceptible to uh, being stolen uh, by others. And so, again, the value or the benefit of these particular uh, discretionary loyalties 
is that they will eventually be lost. There is no uh, E-R-O-I. You've probably heard it this way. R-O-I, return on investment. Put the E in front of it. What does that stand for? There's no eternal return on investment in these things. No eternal return on investment. So that's the first reason we can be confident that what Jesus is talking about are those kinds of discretionary loyalties that will not help you get to heaven. The second reason, Jesus' promotion of heavenly treasures or loyalties in contrast to these earthly treasures or loyalties. And that's what we pick up in uh, verse 20. And it is indeed in contrast, we pick that up by uh, the very first word there in verse 20, but this adversive. So do not lay up for yourselves uh, these kinds of discretionary loyalties, those on earth, those that will not help you get to heaven, that will not benefit you as it relates to eternal return on investment, but... In contrast to that act or that kind of commitment, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. And uh, 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 what defines these kinds of discretionary loyalties? Well, they're the kind that neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. We need to make sure the persons then that occupy our discretionary time and money are those persons and things that will help us get to heaven since the value of those commitments or loyalties will not, according to what Jesus says, be lost in this life. There will, in other words, be an eternal return on investment in relation to those things. So again, what is Jesus teaching here in this first part? Uh, Do not fill your life with discretionary loyalties that will not help you get to heaven. Instead, or in their place, make sure that you are filling your life with the kinds of discretionary loyalties that will help you get to heaven. Examples, then, of discretionary loyalties that will not help you get to heaven. And this list is by no means exhaustive, but some things to think about. Discretionary loyalties, things that uh, you have the freedom to choose uh, to do because it uh, it doesn't uh, apply to your physical health or life or those under your care? Uh, What are some things that you might spend your time or money doing? Things that will not help you get to heaven. Well, uh, number one, sports. Watching uh, sports, participating in sports. Video games. Will not help you get to heaven. At least not any of the video games that I know of. Does that mean that these things are bad? No. But we understand they will not help us get to heaven. And again, what Jesus is saying is, you need to be filling your time and spending your discretionary money on things that will help you get to heaven. Uh, Cars. Cars are not 
something that will help you get to heaven. Spending your discretionary time or money on cars. Guns. I know or have known of people who are into guns. That's their hobby. Well, again, that's not uh, bad. None of these things on this list are uh, bad in and of themselves. But again, they will not help you get to heaven. Verse 24, and uh, the term that Jesus uses here that's translated as uh, money, you cannot serve God and uh, money is the term mammon, which uh, the semantic range of that term is much broader than just the idea uh, of money. But nonetheless, uh, money will not help you get to heaven. I heard a story one time about a, and I believe it to be true because the individual who told me this is a trustworthy person. They said they knew a person in uh, New York uh, who uh, was buried with, I believe it was $50,000. So they had $50,000 thrown in the coffin with them, and they were under the impression that uh, they could then take that money when they died and pay off God to get into heaven. Not going to help. Secular music. Secular music uh, in distinction from uh, what could be called sacred music, Christian music, secular music in and of itself uh, may not be bad, but again, it will not uh, get you to heaven. Spending your discretionary time or money on secular music will not help get you to heaven. Fishing. Fishing. Hiking, hobbies or things that uh, people do with their discretionary time and will even uh, spend money, their discretionary money on uh, these things. Secular movies or TV. The time we spend, the free time, discretionary time that we spend uh, watching or paying for movies or TV shows, again, Secular movies or TV shows will not help get you to heaven. And here's a big one. In the last, I'd say, uh, 25 years, pets. When I was a kid, and uh, I'm not saying that this is right or wrong, just to give you a different uh, perspective on pe how people viewed their pets. When I was a kid, most of the people that I knew had dogs that were only outside. And again, I would not ever put my dogs or cause my or, or make my dogs live outside, but that, the perspective was that was an animal, it stayed outside. Now, things have changed radically, at least in this state, when it comes to uh, pets. How much time and money, discretionary time and money. And by the way, anything you spend in relation to your pet is discretionary. Uh, do not be uh, fooled into thinking that uh, these uh, animals are now somehow 
uh, mandatory to your physical health and life. That is not true. But again, they will not help get you to heaven. Our physical family, some people, this is uh, where they, they spend their discretionary time or money is with their physical family. Again, nothing wrong with that per se, but it will not help get you to heaven. So again, all examples of discretionary loyalties, and this uh, list is by no means exhaustive, but to just get you thinking about what I'm talking about or what Jesus is referring to uh, by treasures on earth. In our day and age, this is what it would look like. Discretionary loyalties that do not help get you to heaven, the, the items that I've listed here. Examples then of, a discretionary, of discretionary loyalties that will help get you to heaven, that will help you lay up treasures in heaven. And uh, you can, uh, this correlates very nicely with uh, what Jesus talks about in Matthew 16, really in all of his Gospels, or the Synoptic Gospels, that is, uh, about uh, dying to self and uh, living for him. This is how we then show our loyalty to Jesus. These are the ways that we show our, or one of the ways, one of the important ways we show our loyalty to Jesus is through our discretionary loyalties, meaning those that will help us get to heaven. Some examples of those. His church, our covenant family. So a distinction between our physical family and our covenant family, though our our physical family may be our covenant family, that's not always the case. Spending time with his church, Jesus' church, our covenant family, Serving his church or a covenant family. Those are uh, discretionary loyalties, commitments, things that uh, in our free time, if we devote ourselves to this, it helps us get to heaven. It causes us to lay up treasures in heaven. Number two, understanding God's word or wisdom. Understanding God's word or wisdom. Notice I didn't put there reading God's word. Reading does nothing if you don't understand what you're reading. And every time you read your Bible, your intention in reading should be to understand what it is that you're reading. You should be able to go away from reading your Bible every time, and if this is not the case, then you need to commit to reading for or, or, or spending more time, rather, in uh, your Bible study until this is the case. Every single time, doesn't mean with everything that you read, uh, but that you are able to walk away with at least one thing that you understand and could share with somebody else. If that's not the case, then I would say you have totally failed in your uh, uh, Bible time. Every single time, that should be the intention. Proverbs uh, chapters 1 and 2 strongly strongly uh, suggests that we give ourselves to uh, the study of wisdom. 
biblical wisdom. It doesn't come by osmosis. And so uh, being committed to that, according to what else we're told in Scripture, is something that will help get you to heaven, among other things. It will help you in this life as well. But again, understanding that. Understanding what that looks like. Understanding what those verses that uh, are teaching on the subject of, we- of wisdom are actually teaching. Taking the time. Using our discretionary time in that way. Using our discretionary uh, money in that way. How many of you uh, spend money on books to help you in your understanding of the Bible? How many of uh, you are putting in that kind of uh, uh, commitment to understanding God's word? Number three, sharing our spiritual and financial bread. Sharing our spiritual and financial bread. Uh, Financial bread, Luke 16, verses 1 through 13. Jesus there uh, teaching all about how we use the unrighteous mammon. Again, that term that... uh, is picked up here in verse 24 and translated as uh, money, using our unrighteous possessions, our riches in this world, uh, to win people to Christ. And so there, uh, the idea of evangelism through uh, our possessions, that's the kind of uh, discretionary spending that will help you get to heaven. Why do I say that? Well, Jesus says, if you do that, they, these individuals that you've won to Christ, will welcome you into eternal dwellings. There's that eternal return on investment. Spending our time on that. Sharing our uh, spiritual bread. This goes back to what we've understood. This goes back even to Uh, That first example, his church, our our covenant family. Again, you're wasting your time if the only thing you ever do, doesn't mean that we can't, uh, this can't uh, be the case at any time, but if the, every time you get with somebody in the body of Christ, your family, uh, you, you, you never have spiritual conversations. You're never sharing your spiritual bread then those are, uh, those are failed relationships. That's not what I'm talking about here. Those are not the kinds of relationships that will get you or the other person to heaven. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, I believe it is. Hebrews chapter 3, I believe it's verse 12. As long as it's called today... Encourage one another so that you are not taken by the deceitfulness of sin. The encouragement that you're giving is uh, through sharing your spiritual bread. Meaning, I share what I've learned from God's word with somebody else. And if you've taken the time to do that, if you've used your discretionary time in that way, then you have something to share. With others. And again, uh, this is one of those discretionary loyalties, an example of it that will help you get to heaven. Another, anything that glorifies God promotes spiritual growth or advances his kingdom in the world. 
Anything that does one of those three things would be an example of discretionary loyalty or loyalties that will help you get to heaven. The fifth one here, reading theological works. According to the Proverbs, this is the, uh, this is, uh, the holy distraction. Giving yourself to uh, thinking uh, deep theological thoughts, in other words, according to, uh, I believe it's uh, Proverbs uh, 6, uh, is what keeps you, uh, or keeps your mind rather, for being, uh, from being preoccupied with sinful things, or things that will not help you get to heaven. Uh, like sports, or video games, or cars, or guns, or money, or music, or fishing, or hiking. Giving your mind to something else, and as I said, uh, I've called that for years, the holy distraction. Uh, There is uh, wisdom, Proverbs 6. Reading some of the, uh, the great theological works that are out there. Spending your money and your time on those things so that your mind is uh, preoccupied with thinking through this kind of stuff. You see, it's not just for people who are in full-time ministry. The point then not to miss as it relates to this first point. If we are not in full-time ministry, that's one of the benefits that I have, is that uh, uh, my... Uh, non-discretionary time and commitment because it's my job is given to uh, the things of God all day and I'm incredibly thankful for that because my time is preoccupied my mind is preoccupied with that you however most of you do not have that benefit and so you need to make sure that the majority of your discretionary loyalties are to persons or things that will help you get to heaven. Jesus commands us to lay up these kinds of treasures, which implies this is necessary to final judgment. Think about that. Lay it up. Fill your time. This isn't me telling you to do this. This is Jesus telling you to do this. This is what's going to be necessary to final judgment. Where did you spend your discretionary time and money? You will go to the place your loyalties reside. You will go to the place your loyalties reside. In heaven, again, you laid up those things that will help you get to heaven. That's where your loyalties reside. And so you will go there or into the fire The lake of fire, the place where all earthly things end up, according to 2 Peter 3. So pretty simple, right? You'll go to the place where you have been most loyal on earth. You will go to that eternal place, or the eternal place that most corresponds to what you were most loyal to in your free time or with your free money on earth. That brings us then to point number two, or the second truth that Jesus teaches here in these verses, discretionary loyalty and feelings of affection. Discretionary loyalty and feelings of affection. Many Christians 
And uh, I've heard this enough times in my ministry or from enough people that I can say this, uh, I believe with a, a good conscience that many Christians admit to possessing no feelings of affection for God or that they struggle with having affections or feelings of affection for God. Uh, It comes out this way. What does it mean to love God? And what they mean by that is, what does it mean to feel love for God? Again, I've heard that many times uh, since I've been in ministry. Christians admitting that they possess no feelings or the feelings they do possess of affection for God are, are, are rare. Jesus teaches that our affections, this very issue that some of you even right now may be having a problem with. Well, Jesus teaches that our affections are often the product, the effect, the result of our loyalty loyalty. Look at verse 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't uh, give yourself your discretionary time, your discretionary uh, money to those things that uh, will not help you get to heaven. Rather, fill your commitments up with those things that will help you get to heaven for or because. Here's why. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've already uh, decoded this word treasures. We know that it refers to, again, discretionary loyalties. What about this term heart? Well, this one's a little easier because uh, uh, this is one that is used even in our day this way. This refers to our affections. Our affections. Here then is another reason we need to be careful that our discretionary loyalties or commitments are only to those things that will help us get to heaven and never to those things that don't. Here's why. Because, and now just plugging in those words that we know that these particular metonyms are referring to because, Jesus' words, not mine, where your loyalty is, there your affection will be also. Where your loyalty is, there your affection, your feelings of love will be also. In other words, whatever you devote yourself to, you will eventually have affections for. Let me just say that again. Whatever you devote yourself to, you will eventually have affections for. Which will further strengthen your loyalty to those things. Because as we know, affection helps, does it not? It helps. But again, the place we start is with loyalty, not affections. And as we give ourselves, as we are loyal or devoted or committed to something, the result, the effect, the product of that loyalty is affection. And if those things are 
not helpful with regard to heaven. If these particular uh, discretionary loyalties, these commitments, these things that uh, we are devoted to are not helpful for getting to heaven, then you have just strengthened yourself in the wrong direction. An example of this. Large number of affairs that happen between men and women who have worked closely together for a period of time. And there is a large number of these that take place in the, uh, the workplace all the time. Affairs between a, a, a woman and a man who have for a period of time, uh, usually a long period of time, have worked together. Uh, here's the, 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 the thing that's unique about it, though. Uh, neither person, in most cases, uh, never originally had romantic intentions in that relationship. They didn't see their, uh, their, their close associate of the opposite sex in that way. Hence the reason when uh, the affair happens, they say things like this. Well, I never intended this to happen. And they mean it. However, the committed and close working environment they share, their commitment... Their devotion to one another in that close working environment causes them to have what? Feelings of affection. This is why they can say, I never intended this to happen. That isn't where I started, in other words. I didn't start with the affections. But what happened? Because of the loyalty, that's what it produced. The relationship between loyalty and affections being taught by Jesus, I would say, and this is my opinion, but I think I'm probably right about this, is the opposite of how many people view it. It's the opposite. Here's how I would say many people view the relationship between these two things. Loyalty to someone or something requires affection first. This is why uh, the writers, plural of uh, the Proverbs, uh, direct what they write specifically or most importantly to young people. We're told that over and over, that this is their primary audience, young people. And the Proverbs are concerned with wisdom. That's why we call it wisdom literature. Put those two things together. Now you have an oxymoron, a wise young person, right? And so it's directed to uh, young people, and this is one of these areas where I would say uh, they struggle the most. Think about it, young people. How many of you, if you're being honest, uh, think or would have thought this was the way that the relationship works between loyalty and affection? I have to have affection for it first before I can be loyal to it. If you don't know that, think just give yourself just a, a couple of seconds to think about the things that you are loyal or committed or devoted to with your discretionary time and money. Are they not the things that you had immediate affection for? If you don't know what I'm, going, I'm talking about, you can just go back to the list there in, uh, in 1-5. Sports, video games, fishing, eating food.
Loyalty to someone or something requires affection first. Just the opposite. Don't miss that. That kind of thinking is just the opposite of what Jesus is teaching here. The opposite. And for those people who think this way, here's what else they think. If they don't have affection for that thing immediately, then they can't be expected to be loyal to it, nor should they expect such affection to come later, after they've been loyal or committed. And some of you I know, because I'm your shepherd and I've been with you long enough, I know this is the way you think. In your mind you say, the things of God are not something that I'm immediately affected, affected by. It's not something that I, uh, that I have affection for on the front end. And I feel guilty about that. I wish it was like my cars. I wish it was like my sports. But I don't have affection. And I feel guilty about that because I know I need to be loyal. I know I need to be committed. I know I need to be devoted to the things of God. But the problem is, I don't have any affection for those things. And affection, for you, for you, is something that must be there at the start or it will never be there. Again, please note, that is diametrically opposed to what Jesus is teaching here. Where your treasure is, where your loyalties are, there your affection will be also. It is possible to have affection. It happens all the time. I've already given you at least one example. It is possible to have affection for things you never had affection for before simply because you gave yourself to those things in loyalty. And again, it happens all the time. Let me finish 2.5 here in the notes as it relates to those whose thinking is the opposite of what Jesus is saying here. This is a, a deadly thing to, or position to be in, this kind of thinking. As such, thinking that I need to have affection on the front end for it, otherwise I can never be loyal to it, and if I'm loyal to it, the affection will never come because it has to be there at the beginning or it'll never be there. Here's what else those people tend to think. It's not their fault if they lack devotion. It's not their fault if they lack loyalty to God or the things of God. It's not their fault that they don't immediately feel affection for him or those things. Pastors different. He just had affection for those things immediately. And that's why he's able to do it. You see, I'm not like him. It's not my fault. I'm not wired like pastor. I can't help it. I feel guilty about it, but I can't help it. 
That all I want to think about are those things that I am immediately affected by. The things that I can be immediately attracted to or have feelings of affection for. Like the things of this world. The things that, has no, the things that have no eternal return on investment like cars. Really? Sports. Really? Video games. Really? What tends to be true about those persons or things we do have immediate affections for? What tends to be true about those persons or things that we do, and all of us have this, there are things that we have immediate affection for that requires, in other words, uh, no loyalty to produce those uh, affections. Here's what tends to be true about them. They are the things possessing the least value both for this life and the life to come. They are the things possessing the least value. They represent, and uh, in my day this is how they used to talk about it, they represent the lowest hanging fruit the world has to offer. The lowest hanging fruit, the fruit of instant gratification. And I'm aware of that. I'm wired just like you. Uh, as a matter of fact, the majority of those things on that list, uh, uh, in 1-5 there, these things that do not help you uh, get to heaven, uh, the majority of the things on that list are things that are immediately something that I have affection for. Just like you. Just like you. But here's what I know about those things, and I would say it's true about everything on that list, save maybe one or two. They are the low-hanging fruit, the lowest-hanging fruit the world has to offer. And that's true for just about any and everything that gives you instant gratification, they are the things possessing the least value. There's a saying, you know, uh, if it's not, uh, it's, it's, if it's not, uh, if it doesn't cost you something, then it's not worth anything. Instant gratification. Hence the reason the kind of people who choose to be loyal are committed only to what they can have immediate affections for are the most unsuccessful and or damned people of the world. That's a truism. That's the term we use, a truism. That means that that is generally true across the board. Uh, that if you're that kind of a person, the only thing, and this is right now where you want to be assessing your life. Who am I? Is that me? The things that I'm committed to? The things that I devote my discretionary time and money to? My free time, my free money? That's what I give it to? The truism... I could put it this way, the axiom or the axiomatic truth, something that most people know. The kind of people who choose to be loyal or committed or devoted to those things and those things only, or that's what fills up your discretionary time and money. Are those things that have or can give you immediate affections. They're the most unsuccessful and from a spiritual standpoint, Damned people on the planet. Because those things, here's why. 
as I've already said, which are truly worth something in this life or for getting to the next life requires loyalty or commitment first. It's as Jesus teaches it. The things that truly matter require loyalty or commitment first. And I'm going to give you some examples in relation to that here in just a second, but before that, 2.7. Why then this kind of thinking, immediate gratification needed to be loyal, is so dangerous? Here's the danger, based on what we've discussed. Because it means those people will never be loyal or committed to using their discretionary time and money for God or the things of God. In other words, if you're that kind of a person, if that's how you operate and you don't change today, change is a choice and it's a commitment, then you are a person who will never be loyal or committed to using your discretionary time and money for God or the things of God. You will instead view such commitments as, and maybe you're already there, again, assess yourself. You will, uh, you will view, and may even right now, view these types of commitments where the affection comes later only after you've shown the loyalty. You will, you will view such commitments as oppressive. You will loathe anything related to them. And you will start touring with giving up the Christian life. And we're going to talk more about that uh, next week because that's exactly where Jesus goes in our remaining verses. You start toying with giving up the Christian life. At the very least, you begin living a double life. And some of you, even now, I believe that's where you're at. That's, what you, uh, th- that's the problem every day, the tension. Because of the guilt. Because you don't have the affections. Because you haven't put in the time. Because you've had a ghetto mindset about how this works. You think the only things that I can do in life, the only things I can ever ever be committed to, are those things that I have immediate gratification in. Those things that I can have feelings of affection for immediately. If that's not uh, the case, then I can't see myself doing it. And this is the principle that you've missed. And this is the principle that you've got to believe. Because if you don't, Like I said, the danger in this, you'll never be loyal. You'll never be committed to using your discretionary time and money for God and you will be that person that eventually gets tired of how it makes you feel. You will loathe anything related to the things of God and you'll finally and eventually give up. This is, I believe, the reason behind uh, the third soil in Jesus' kingdom parable in Matthew 13, 22, where it says, they receive the word with joy, but the cares of this world. What's he talking about? The cares of this world. Those things that have immediate gratification, those things that, uh, that, 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 that grab our affections immediately. That's the cares of the world. That's the treasures of this world. That's why they're so attractive. And uh, because of that, Jesus says that particular person, though they came in with joy, now they've left the faith. We've seen in our own congregation, many people do that for this very reason. The principle being taught by Jesus in verse 21 Where your treasure is, there your heart, where your loyalties are, there your affections will be also. 
This principle is therefore what separates those who make it to heaven and those who do not. Those who make it or those who realize loyalty or commitment is required before they will experience affection for their loyalty or commitment. It requires the loyalty first. This principle is also, as we've already discussed, what separates the haves from the have-nots in this world. I'll give you some examples. Becoming a surgeon. How about this? And I had to look this up. A lead cyber threat hunter. Aaron Beardsley. A Navy SEAL. I got you, brother. You're, you're, in, you're, in, you're in a company with Navy SEALs and surgeons. And he is. Given the time and the training, all that he had to do to get to that position. And this is true as it relates to all of these professions. They require countless hours of education and difficult training that nobody likes or loves or feels good about at the time that they're doing. Is that true, Aaron? Experiencing regret, depression, discouragement, wanting to quit, even hate for the field of study are not uncommon during education and training. In the end, however, such loyalty produces feelings of great pride and affection for their profession. And we all, I think, know that to be true. Working out, here's one that is maybe more applicable for all of us. At one time or another, we may have attempted to do this. And uh, when you're out of shape, it does not feel good to work out. You don't have uh, feelings of affection for it. It isn't until a person has been loyal to the process that affection kicks in. It takes time. That's why a lot of people don't make it. It's because, uh, again, they've got this uh, screwed up, right? They say, I just hate it. Well, you do now. Stick with it. It'll change you. You know, I've, I, 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 and I'm by no means uh, accomplished at this, but uh, Chris and I have plotted along now for, I think, two and something years uh, at running, and I absolutely, for the majority of that time, have absolutely loathed it. And uh, we would force ourselves when she was uh, working and she would come home and we'd go out and it'd be night and it'd be cold and we would force ourselves to do it, and then we would come back, and with whatever strength we had left, we'd make dinner, and it was just like Groundhog Day. We'd get to the next day and do it all over again, and uh, I'm finally at the place now where I have great affection for it. I actually love to run, but it took a lot of commitment. It took loyalty to get there, to get there. So examples hopefully examples that you can relate to, that you see that what Jesus is teaching here is true. It's an axiomatic truth. Even the people of this world, the majority of the people in this world would say, yeah, that's true. And it's usually, again, in relation to those things that are worth having, the things that really matter, what we call the higher hanging fruit in life. The principle that tends to be true in relation to that kind of stuff and the, the ultimate high-hanging fruit, heaven. 
requires commitment or loyalty first if you're ever going to have affection. Affection. A good indicator, therefore, a good indicator that you are that kind of a person that uh, has not been loyal to God or the things of God or has not been loyal for very long. Don't kid yourself. Well, I, I'm doing good. It's been two days. Right? A good indicator that you have not been loyal to God. You are one of those people who continues to struggle with feeling any affection or love for God or the things of God. I mean, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's giving us the the diagnostic tool, if you will, uh, to to diagnose our own lives, our own hearts, as it relates to this issue. If you have no affection, chances are you have no loyalty. And uh, I've tried to, 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 to quantify it here uh, loyalty or commitment is greater than 50% of the time you're obedient to God and the majority of your discretionary time and money is given to God or the things of God. So when I say uh, you're being loyal, I don't want you to sit here and say, well, I have been and, I, and I've been loyal for a long time simply because you show up on Sunday. Or, or you sit down like a zombie in front of your Bible and you just whiz through whatever pages you need to get through that day only to go back to thinking about all the things of the world. That's not loyalty. That's not obedience to God. And again, where you're spending the majority of your discretionary time money, your free time, what you can choose to do, when it's in your power to choose, what do you do? Where do you spend your time and your money? Is it given to God or the things of God? Again, as I've said for a long time, you're either all in or you're not in at all. Point then not to miss in this second point. Our loyalties will determine our affections or lack thereof. Our loyalties will determine our affections or lack thereof. Hopefully, parents, I've helped you out as well here today as you're dealing with your kids and uh, they're prone to just want to run after the things that they like Please don't make the mistake of uh, helping them decide their career based on those things. Oh, that's what they like. Our loyalties will determine our affections, and that is the higher hanging fruit. We sing that, uh, that great hymn today. It's one of my favorite, Be Thou My Vision. It's considered to be one of the oldest uh, Christian hymns Uh, It was written almost 1,500 years ago, and the guy who wrote it was this uh, Celtic monk who who actually went blind. And uh, if you think about some of the words, uh, Be Thou uh, My Vision, just the title itself. Be my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping. Your presence, my light. I love that. And how he... uh, ends that particular hymn, or towards the end he says this, Thou and thou only, first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. 
Is it possible that uh, this particular Celtic monk who wrote this understood what we're learning about today? Is it possible? I think based on what he says, where his devotion, his loyalty was, my best thought by day or by night is you, Lord. His devotion. What's your best thought? Is it about your upgrade to your car? Or the sporting event you're going to watch tonight? My best thought by day or by night. Waking or sleeping. Thy presence, my light. Is that what it is? First in my heart, high King of heaven, my treasure thou art. Closing contemplation, I would have you uh, turn with me to Luke 16. I want to just tack on one final piece as we're considering and thinking about uh, what we've learned here, what it is that Jesus has established for us as it relates to these discretionary loyalties and uh, what it is that they produce. Adding to that, Jesus' words in Luke 16, verse 10, one who is faithful, which is just another word for loyal, is it not? One who is loyal in a very little is also loyal in much. And one who is dishonest or disloyal in very little is also disloyal in much. The principle that comes out of that and that I would uh, tack on for our consideration, our faithfulness or loyalty in the very little things, according to Jesus here, indicates our loyalty or faithfulness to the big things. Our faithfulness or loyalty in the little things. And again, notice his words, not mine. Very little. One who is faithful in a very little. Very little, small things. The things that uh, to the world may seem not all that important, in other words. Things like discretionary loyalties. What you do with your free time is your business, right? That's what we're told. Those are very little things when it comes to judging who you are. Well, not according to Jesus. Not according to what we read here. Our loyalty in the very little things indicates our loyalty or faithfulness to the big things. So here's the closing contemplation. What do your current discretionary loyalties, the little things, the very little things, what do they indicate about your loyalty to God? The big thing. The big thing. If today were judgment day, what would that mean? For your eternal state. What would that mean? Where would you go? What would be your eternal return. On investment. If today was judgment day. What would it be based on. Where your discretionary loyalties. Have been. Up to this point. Let's pray. Father thank you that. We could talk about such an important subject. I pray though father that. It would not fall on deaf ears. I pray that everyone in the hearing of my voice would be those who have ears to hear. Who have listened to the words of their king. 
And because they live all for King Jesus, what they've heard today are their marching orders. And if that means going in a different direction than where they've been going in the past, praise be to you for the light that you give us. We thank you that you are so good to us that you give us the chance, even now, to repent and to change. And all it takes, all it takes, where it begins is confessing, Lord, I've not lived the way that you've called me to live. I've not given myself to laying up treasure in heaven. My loyalties are divided. I've been living for this world, for the things that give immediate gratification, and that's going to change now. Which brings us to the second merciful position and opportunity that you give to us. The ability, the opportunity to change. Not just confess it, but change and make the commitment to change. Maybe even do like they did in Acts chapter 19 where we take all of those discretionary loyalties, all of those things that we realize now are not benefiting us. Maybe even becoming a hindrance to getting to heaven. They took all of those things and they put them in the the center of the city and they burned them. I pray that even among our people that if that's the conviction they come to based on what they've heard today that they would be faithful out of glory to you to do the exact same thing. Gouge out the eye. Cut off the hand, if that's what it means. In faithfulness to our King, because He is indeed worthy. This we pray, in our King's most precious name. In Jesus' name, amen.